Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T, and welcome to your bonus episode for Labor Day weekend. That's right, a bonus episode for Labor Day weekend for our fans out there. This episode today is going to be a fan-based podcast. We reached out to our fans, asked for a bunch of questions. We got a bunch of questions, so we'll be going through those questions for the podcast today. A couple things I wanted to bring up that uh, we've got going on coming up here. So as you're listening to this, it's Labor Day weekend, and you might you may be at Bug Ram 84. That's this weekend. So if you're out of Bug Ram 84, make sure you guys spread the news to all your VW friends about Let's Talk Doves podcast. Make sure they go on, like, and subscribe to our podcast on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes, Google Play, wherever they can. Make sure they you go on there and share it with your friends. Also, um, coming up, that we'll be at where if you want to come see Let's Talk Dubs live, we'll have a booth set up over at the Utah VW Classic coming up in, uh, it's going to be a Riverton City Park in Salt Lake City, uh, Saturday, September 14th. We'll also be at the Friday, uh, the 13th open house at Volkswagen Southtown. That's going to happen the Friday before the Utah VW Classic. So we'll be at the Utah VW Classic, which is going to be Saturday, September 14th at Riverton City Park. So come out, see us, say what's up. We'll have some gear and stuff there for sale. Uh, come by and support the podcast. Tell us what you like about it. And uh, appreciate meeting you guys out there for the podcast. Um, also coming up, FZ Racing. On September 28th, FZ Racing presents the SoCal VW Shootout. That's going to be in Fontana. That's for you street race guys out in Southern California. So make sure you guys check out that event. If you get a fast car, bring it out to the SoCal VW shootout that's happening September 28th at Fontana Raceway in California. So anyway, we'll get started with the podcast. Uh, today we'll have George on the podcast and uh, we'll be going through some listener questions. So get ready for this episode. All right, everybody. So welcome to the podcast. George T in the house. George, so what's up? How's everybody doing? So uh, today's podcast is going to be listener-inspired uh, questions. We went out on our Instagram and our Facebook page, and we asked for some listeners to shoot us some emails, give us some questions about what they wanted to hear about. So we'll get started right out of the gate. So uh, Skull Duggery Art is uh, Mike and Henderson, of course, and a friend of a friend turned him on to the podcast and he's got a question that says, I've read much about robust nature type 4 en- engines and have acquired one, only looking to push about 100 to 110 horsepower a daily. Only. Yeah, only 100 to 110 horsepower. A daily driver, not a track car, but want to be strong highway cruiser. What's your opinion on building this type 4 engine versus type 1 instead? So I think the thing that he's going to need to worry about is, uh, let's see, he's putting in a 356 Speedster kit, so he's going to need a fan he's conversion. He's going to have to upright it. Right, so he'll do the upright fan conversion um, for 100, 110 horsepower. Um, if you're starting with a, so this is the cheapest way to fast, I think, in my opinion, is get a set of uh, some of those AMC heads, a new set of heads, um, some uh, slip-in big bore pistons like the 95 millimeter pistons. Get a decent cam, upright fan shroud setup, some 44s, and make sure you do the math on your cam lift your venturis and your jets and you should be able to easily i would think be able to get about 100 horsepower 
out of that thing with drivable compression. Would you agree with that, George? Absolutely. I mean, the Bull Run bus is running 2270, and I've got 135 at the wheels, and it's not some crazy wild motor. Nope. You know, it's just got a good, it's got a good cam. It's starting with heads. a good base there. Because yeah. it doesn't need to do much to make a little bit of power out of it. Yeah. So, so I'd, I'd say it's very feasible. If he's and, looking to do 100 to 110 horsepower, yeah. Yeah. So uh, what I may do is put my particular engine specs up on uh, on our podcast page, on our um, on our Let's Talk Dubs blog page for this episode. You'll go see the blog page for this episode, and I'll have some of the stuff that we talk about here on that. So uh, that was Mike's question on Type 1 versus Type 4. But, George, you just did a, uh, a Type 1 in a Speedster, didn't you? I did. I did a 2110 install into a Speedster. I mean, Speedster is pretty light car. I mean, very light. You know, you, 1776 in a Speedster is going to feel like absolutely a big. Motor. Like most of them come with a little 1641, 1776 in them, unless you're getting like a Bex, and they use, I believe, 2110 CC CB performance built engines in their in their higher end models. Yeah, but I mean, a big motor. I mean, a 1900, 1914 in a Speedster feel like oh, a yeah. monster. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that. Uh, that that uh, trust me, Mike. You'll be feeling a lot of power in that uh, in that street driver. It's going to have tons of torque and be real easy to uh, easy to drive. I think the nice thing, my favorite thing about the Type Fours with the good torque is like just roll on the throttle and push that thing wherever you want it to go. Uh, let's see here, who's this? this is Stephen Hartlauer. Stephen Hartlauer says, as a host of the VW Podcast, you tend to know what you're talking about when it comes to our cars. What is one new thing you recently learned about VWs that you were surprised to learn? whether it was something about the history of our cars or the VW scene, a technical aspect you thought you knew but didn't, or something that was just in general new that you learned. George? Um, one of the most interesting things I ever learned was working over at Beetle Barn with Justin Stevens, uh, podcast alumni Justin Stevens. And uh, he explained the parts numbering system to me and gave me a good little uh, – a little tip to remember things. He said, all VW driver's part numbers, if it's driver's side of the vehicle, will be odd. And then all passenger side of the vehicle will be even. And he said, a good way to remember is VW drivers are a little odd. So you always remember an odd part number means it belongs on the driver's side of the vehicle. No, you mean odd part number? You're talking about the last digit? Yes. The last three digits, the odd number. And I'm trying to, th- I, I, sorry, I read this question. I was trying to think like, What's a new thing that I recently learned about VWs that I was surprised to learn? And I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the something I was surprised to learn about. Well, I was surprised to learn when I had the podcast that uh, during the Battle of the Imports that Volkswagen did absolutely no sponsorship whatsoever when all the other big Japanese people. Yeah. I mean, it just seemed ridiculous to me that they wouldn't uh, that they wouldn't put any kind of sponsorship into some of that uh, some of that you know support for the drag racers, but what well, there's one aspect. Go off of what we've heard from, well, I tell you what I was shocked to learn is that Pat Downs doesn't break in his cams. <laughs> he doesn't learn that from the podcast. And if we're going to go to related to being a host of a podcast, when I listen to Pat Downs, that he doesn't actually break in his cams without the center springs pulled out. That was a shocker for me. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and interestingly enough, when you hear his philosophy behind it, it seems to make sense. You know, if the cam, if the cam and lifters are matched properly, you shouldn't run a cam flat which i guess to some degree i don't know there's a bunch of different schools of thought but I, I, i'll go with the fact that pat's built you know a few thousand yeah. motors and he, <laughs> he's got a little bit he's experience got a few under his belt yeah so i mean if listen shout out to pat downs uh he does a good job building some motors so um yeah there's a there's a lot of stuff that uh 
I'm just trying to think, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I was surprised to learn on, but being the host of the podcast, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't about VW as much as it was. Um, well, if, let's just go off like, of some of the podcast things, like kind of it's going off of that. You're a host of a podcast. Yeah, What's like, some things you learn? Like we, you learned a lot of new things about Pete Skiba. Yeah, no, for I sure. Mean, a lot, a, a lot of things about Pete Skiba that I learned. Um, those were interesting new facts and, you know, it, it uh, for me, it explained a lot of a lot of things about Pete. Um, I have a newfound respect for Pete based on some of the stuff that he's been through. And, and really, you know, bottom line is, um, you know, I gotta be honest. Uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a guy that bought a bunch of air cooled stuff. It was just kind of a different vibe than I was doing, but you know, I got to give Pete credit for sticking in the scene for so long and doing what he's doing and really having a commitment to, to building some good quality stuff. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people in this industry, you know, their personalities get in the way And sometimes, you know, there's always many layers of people working on the same thing at the same time coming from two different perspectives and people get upset because people put their blood, sweat and tears into things and then get all offended if somebody else is working on or developing something. And it could be two guys coming up with two original ideas at the same time. But, you know, bottom line is with the VW people, they get their pride dented all the time and people start going after. We're seeing a lot of that right now, right? Yeah. With, uh with um, Pip showing some new stuff that he had coming out for Impy, put that stuff out, and then somebody else posted something similar to it on Instagram, and then there's all this going back and forth, and some people started like, oh, well, who was the first one to cut wheels, and who was the first one to do this? And, you know, you go back in history, and you see if you really do your research, I mean, there were so many stinking hillbillies involved in VW stuff that people drove around with, with one lug nut on alloy. You know what I mean? Like, well, if you want to talk about it, I mean, back in the day when they were making buggies, they were modifying wheels back then. Oh, yeah. So it's something that's always been something done in our industry. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just what 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 those guys are all doing is they're doing it more for style rather than function. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just trying to break away from the crowd, especially someone like Pip. He's always trying to build something that it, that hasn't been done before, I would say. So, and then when you come up with a good idea... Imitation is the best form of flattery. So other people will work off that idea and create their own spin on it, I guess you want to say. Yeah. You know, but uh, we're all pretty aware who one of the originators of our scene is nowadays. No, but I mean, okay, listen, (laughs) look, full disclosure, right? I'm a a member of DBK um, and I've known Pip for a long time. And I know a lot. I know a lot of guys in the scene. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of guys that are cutting edge guys that put stuff out. And I can tell you when when a guy's got a vision to do stuff, he's just Buddy Hell, for example. Buddy gets some things in his head, and you can you can definitely see Buddy style in some of the things that he does. But he creates things. He gets ideas, and he's always looking at things on how to tweak something or how to make something a little bit different, or how to clean something up, how to how to switch things up same way Pip does, you know, Pip's always like Pip's Pip's eye is like clean, streamlined, simple, and just twisting some stuff up. You know what I mean? And you can tell from what's been modified and customized. You can tell sometimes who did it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there are people that are just genuinely creative like that, you know? And so you got to give them credit and and listen, the VW scene has never been short of copycats ever. You know what I mean? So, you're going to get that. Um, it's great to be the innovator and not the imitator. Yeah. So. And, and a lot, a lot of things, uh, a lot of things 
get copied in the scene. You know, somebody will make one thing and somebody makes another. I mean, you go back to the Safari windows, right? You had Izzy Safari windows and then somebody else comes out with Safari windows. And then like, you know, there's at one time there's, and there was like five people making Safari. Yeah. There's, there's a bunch of people making Safaris. And so who copied who? Well, VW made the original set of Safaris and they yeah. stopped making them. So, so there was a need and things started being made. And if some people can't keep up with uh, the need, then somebody else sees a, an opportunity in the market and, you know, so there's, there's in this scene, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, there wouldn't be room for copycats if there wasn't a need for it. So there's, there's a huge need out there for a lot of parts. And sometimes, and maybe this is an interesting thing to talk about is, um, sometimes the, the need is so great that people will sacrifice quality just to get something and save a few bucks. Yeah. You know, we've seen that happening recently with a bunch of, uh, people being put on blast on the internet about parts being made and and the parts being less than good quality and you know the crazy part is at the end of the day like if if you're a guy drive look you're talking to a guy who was I was cheap enough to do a ton of things myself by myself just just to save some money because when I you know when I was a cook at the Olive Garden and I didn't have tons of money to you know put all kinds of extra stuff in my VW I would do some things myself you know. Uh-huh. We weren't born rich. I thought we were born rich. No, no, we just look. We just played that on TV. But uh, no, but you know, at a necessity or or wanting to have your car look a certain way, you'll you may cut some corners and use some rattle canister, some some uh, powder coat or something like that. I mean, the first time here, here's a, here's an awesome story for uh, for the people out there in podcast land. So when George and I, you heard the story in one of the original uh, podcasts where George and I saved my 63 rag top that I just put on Instagram that I wanted to get this car back. And it's the, it's the silver car on the, on the phone dials. And I posted a picture telling everybody that I wanted to find my car. And a couple of people hit me up and said, give me the VIN number and we'll track the car down. And uh, I got to figure out how to find the VIN number because the receipt where I bought the car, it was just like floor pan and VW $400. Larry's Larry's like, you know, they got That's the shotgun sound guys for you guys that didn't know. And, uh, so with that car being so cheap, I was like, who's paying for some stupid ragtop kit, dude? I'm headed to Fabric World, rolled on over to Fabric World, and I bought myself because my ragtop had all the ragtop mechanisms, just didn't have any fabric. Bill T is going to solve that because like I told you guys before on the, pro- on the podcast, I'm a problem solver. So I roll on into the fabric store, find myself the most leatherous looking vinyl. I take about two yards of that bad daddy home and... uh I go to stretch it over the front bow, a little spray glue there. I'm like, yeah, this is going to work. And then I thought, hmm, I don't know how to sew, but how am I going to lace up these sides and make them look good? What's this stapler doing here? So I grabbed an office stapler, and then I thought, well, i got to put something inside the side. So I took – now, guys, now, mind you, I was like 17, and I was just trying to figure some things out, right? So I'm sure a few of you guys have been there. So I take I take a, uh, a piece of coat hanger, and I take the coat hanger, and I, I straighten it out. And I, I roll it like inside the sides of the rag top and then I staple it in place. Did you not know about this? How is it supposed to open? Okay, listen, <laughs> that's a later, that's a later problem. Right now I'm trying to mob down the street making it listen. This was the first phantom top for a rag top. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was like a fake uh and blue on tops. Yeah, so this so this was uh this was um in my sixty three bug, my homie Mark D. Shout out to my homie Mark D. We were cruising over this parents house and um just kind of mobbing down the freeway like yeah look at them they're checking out a rag top within like three <laughs> within like three seconds on the freeway that top 
shot back like a flag for the United States of America. <laughs> we were just <laughs> all, all I saw was the ragtop somehow. Apparently, I didn't glue it that good in the front. And uh, I just tried to leave it. I tried to leave it shut in the front, but the wind got underneath it, and it just sucked it out of the front, hit her bone. It was flapping in the wind like the like a breeze, and it was pretty embarrassing. So, but you know, listen, sometimes we don't have the cash. You really take uh, you go to great lengths to cut some corners, and you know that was the last time I did that. So, listen, that's six dollars just pissed away at the uh, at the fabric store, man. Look, what are you gonna do? But you got to learn, right? So next time I just bought a ragtop kit and I was over it. So. Uh, next question that George is going to Jake Ballard out of Cheyenne, Cheyenne, Wyoming. Jake writes, wow, we got another type four question. You talk a lot about type four power plants. What motor do you start with? 1.7, 1.8. What do you stay away and what to look for? Okay. Um, also, something I've always wondered is, with all these big builds and restoration people are doing on their cars, do most people save or do people finance these builds? Just wondering when guys have these 50 to 100K restorations. Okay, so I okay, I play an expert on TV, but on the Type 4 question, so I'll answer a couple questions. You said, what motors do you start with? Usually, ultimately, if you can find a 2-liter 914 motor, that's, that, that's going to be the best motor to start with just because... Of the type of the two liter heads, they're just a better, better flowing head design. It's a sometimes hen's tooth, uh, but a 1.8. My understanding is a better core to start with than a 1.7 because you can do more with the 1.8 heads. From my understanding, but to get more in depth in that, when I do have uh, Adam Wick on the podcast, Adam Wick is the guy that builds. Uh, used to be he was a drag racer in the early 90s and uh, moved in to do an off-road race engines. Here, he's here in Las Vegas, so we'll get Adam on the podcast before long, and we'll do a Type 4 breakdown as far as, like, what's the best thing to look for? What's the If you're starting with, on a budget, what's the best thing to get as far as core Type 4 motors? What do you stay away from and what uh, and what to look for? So, of course, you want to look for the 2-liter Type 4 motors or the 1.8 uh, 914 motors. I think that what you want to stay away from are the, are the um, hydraulic lifter motors. I think the bosses are different for the hydraulic lifters, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not uh, familiar enough to answer that question, actually. So, but then again, I'm just shooting from the hip. We'll get some in-depth Type 4 information on this from Adam. Or who knows, I may get somebody else on the podcast. You never know. I might call my buddy Jake since I bought a couple of motors from Jake. We might get Jake Raby on the podcast, but uh, we'll see. That'll be in the future. Um, the second part of his question, also it, something I've always wondered, is with all these big builds and restoration people are doing on these cars, do most people save or do people finance these builds? So, from my experience... I've built a few cars and, uh, you know, they, they all have a decent price tag attached to them pretty high in the, in about the 50 to hundred thousand, like he said in his question, I've had people who do their builds on credit cards. I've had people who've taken equity loans out in their homes. I've had people who just pay for it with their money because they have the funds to do it. So I've, I've experienced several different ways. Well, I think the, I, I think the majority of people, my personal experience has been that I own a business and because I own a business, I have the, the means to be able to build a car like this. And sometimes these cars like this, they, they you know, they're not fast builds, but you know, the, the type 34 took like two years to get built. Um, and the money just starts adding up and you know, you don't, you don't realize it's, I think it was 90 grand I had in the gear when I was all said and done. You don't realize the money that you have in it. And it, to be honest, out of that $90,000, 30,000 was in the garbage. 
Yeah, stuff that had to get redone. Yeah, stuff that needed to be redone, crappy paint jobs, some some other stuff. And so uh, things bought twice, you know, because you bought this set of wheels, you don't like it, then you bought that set of wheels. But how did you pay for it? Um, blood, sweat, and tears through my hard work. But I mean, I, I was for, I'm fortunate enough to, I own my own business, so I have... Um, I had the wherewithal to build that car. So that car was built uh, out of pocket. Um, but, and, and most people that I know that have like a lot of the high level show cars, these are, they're mostly guys that can afford to build cars. These are definitely not. They have the disposable income yeah. to do it. If you're going to have a car built, you're not living paycheck to paycheck. No, no. My first cars were like that. You know, when I was, when I was just. That's when you build your own car. Yeah, when I was say, If you're having someone build your car, there's no way. <laughs> here's a comparison so my wife's car needs service we take it into audi she drives a uh, 2013 q5 we're not ballers but take it to audi for work one cv boot needs to be changed on the outside the estimate to do that job is one thousand dollars to change a cv boot if someone's going to build your car expect some pretty hefty bills to be attached yeah. next to that bill well and, and and that's the thing it's it's like to what degree when you're looking at a fifty to a, a fifty to a hundred thousand dollar build is a gigantic disparity. I mean, a fifty thousand yeah. dollar build is like painted parts versus powder coated. Most of my bugs, when they're done, like a a, a a a bug, not anything crazy, no custom air ride, no nothing, will be about sixty thousand dollars. I mean, that's a painted, that's a complete car, but it's nothing. We didn't we didn't break any molds. When you do anything crazier out oh, of the it's, box, it's, it's yeah. a it, it's a highly detailed restoration. Yes, it's so highly detailed. So yes. some of the ways you can tell some of those cars, um, but don't get it twisted. You know, we had a buddy of ours, uh, Bill Frost, that was in our, in our car club way back in the day. I think we discussed Bill last time I was on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, but what I'm but what I'm talking about is like, build like cheap. yeah, I mean, to build a car and have it look good, ninety percent of your thing is going to be a your expectation. And then secondly, it's going to be your plan. Like if you've got a plan to build this car and you, you know, there's certain small details that you do that make the car look clean. In other words, if you've got wheels where you can see the rotors, like just painting the rotor hats and then, and then painting the caliper adds so much detail, spraying the backsides of your bumpers black. Or painting them so that you or leave see. them. If you're getting Wolfsburg glass ones, they come with a really nice silver finish on the backside. But, you can leave that be. But what I'm saying is like, okay, say you had paint color to match your car and you paint okay. on the backside of the bumper. Small details like that that make it look like a, high, a highly impressive build. Some things like that you can do at home. Uh, my opinion, like if you're, looking to, if you're looking to build something nice, my advice is buy somebody's project they've bailed out on and they spent the big money already. Like somebody's got a car painted. I've seen a ton of them online for yeah. sale. Cars painted, pans done, needs to be assembled, no motor, no tranny, whatever. They want 15 grand. And people are like, there's no motor and tranny, 15 grand, that's a ripoff. But then it's like you buy that car, you can finish that car for half the price of what it's going to cost to build it. So really it kind of depends, but... The majority of people I know that, that are building the big money cars, they've got the financial wherewithal to build those big money cars. And, you know, you don't always have to have big money or big money put into a car to get to get the same look. You know, we've got friends that have, have proven that over time. I mean, I, that, our one friend just went to, well, he went to one day paint body. He just picked it to death and they kept repainting it and repainting it and repainting it until, you know, until until it was right. And, and the second thing is like, when you're making the initial purchase, I think we're going to do one podcast on just building cars, like 
the top 10 things to do while you're building your cars. Because to me, one of the most important, the absolute most important things when building a car is choosing the right car to begin with. Agreed. You know, if if you pick, if if you're like, if you're like, yeah, but I, I, I saw a Gia, um, somebody posted on Facebook. I mean, it's like, it's, it's a low light convertible. It's freaking roach. It's rusted. Yeah. You saw that one. I think, yeah. and someone's like, Oh, I think they want like 13,000 yeah, or 15,000. 15, it's listen, you're going to spend 15,000 bucks for that. You've got 50,000 in metal work yeah. in that thing. And I don't care who you are. Like, and you're also talking about low light gear. So the parts are through the roof for, r- well, and people it. go, Oh, it's not 50,000 bucks for metal work. Bull crap. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to mm-hmm. do it right, yeah. like if you're actually going to build a low light convertible gear and expect to get any kind of money out of that car, you have to have the metal work done right. So you're better off walking away from that car. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, it's the same old story about people get all twisted because people ask ridiculous prices for like, it's it's a it's a convertible gear. Like, yeah, so what? It's an early, one of the first years of convertible gear. I don't know what year it was. It was a 50, I think 50, 58 or 59 is the first year for convertible gear. I don't know year. I do remember gear. seeing it though. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I see that stuff on there and I just think to myself, some guy's buying that thinking like, man, I, I finally get a low light gear and he's already paid too much to get to the party and he's going to get discouraged. So to be patient, um, you're better off just saving your money and keep adding to your piggy bank and then always look at stuff. You know, here's the deal. When, when you're buying a car like that, if you're looking, if you're looking to get into a project and you've got 10 grand to spend, I, I personally am looking at $15,000 cars because if I got 10 grand to spend, yeah. I can I negotiate. Yeah, I can, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like I can negotiate down. So sometimes people start looking at a $10,000 car and then they'll be even further behind. Even if they get it for eight or whatever, I'd rather find something someone sells for 15 and pull it down to 10. And you never know what, you know, cash, cash always talks, especially, you know, the, the psychology behind a project that someone's bailing out on is that they're done. You know what I mean? They've already tapped out. Yeah, some people they have got one foot out the door. Yeah, some people, the project. some people have a bunch of pride wrapped up in it, like, there's no way I'm selling it. But let me tell you right now, you show up with a sack of cash at somebody's house, dude, they're they're you're gonna get that cart. I mean, you're probably not gonna be shaking hands and high fiving on the way out the door, they're gonna be a little bit bitter, but listen, you know, you wanna get a deal, that's what you gotta do. So what at, uh, what's next, George? Uh we got Justin Heath at a NorCal. He didn't specify a city, but NorCal. Justin Heath. So what's up, Jay? He's, he's got a two part question here, I think, because he's got number one in front of it. So number one, what's your thoughts on the new MP podcast? He comments after to say, I think it'll be OK. Will they find a hole to fill that you're not filling? That remains to be seen. And he says is hopeful. There, is there hopeful? No. Is there more? That's it. Uh, it says. No, uh, is that is there any link to that? No. OK. George can't see. So you guys. what's your thoughts on the new MP podcast? Um. Uh, so my thoughts on the new podcast, my understanding of the new podcast is it's, it is more, it's, it's, it's based on MP insider. The focus of the podcast will be what's happening at MP, um, things they're working on, things they're developing and some of the stories behind some of the, the moves that they'll be making in the market. So that's my understanding of it's more in depth detail. Sounds to me like it's more of like a self promoting machine for yeah. them, which is fine. That's yeah. what no, they, it's, they should be doing things like that. Yeah, listen, it's good. The more people that listen to podcasts, the There's, more people will enjoy VW yes. podcasts. So there are eight billion people on this planet. <laughs> we'll, everybody will find their own their own audience. Yeah, you no, know, just got to put the product out there, and they'll find their audience. Me personally, I love competition. I mean, I, I don't see, and I don't see that. And I'm not by no means am I saying I see it as like it's competing in the space. 
what I say, what I mean by I enjoy competition is because competition pushes people to work harder. Yeah. You know, produce better, better product. So whether it's in the advantage they'll have is I'm sure they have the money to throw to it, to put a producer on it and to probably build a proper studio and everything. You know, this is, this is a homegrown podcast right here. Built, he does it on his bro, own. Bro, bro, don't sell yourself short. I mean, well, don't sell me short, bro. Cause I'm the one man band over here. I'm the producer, the executive producer, the, uh, editor, the, uh, janitor marketing, marketing. I'm the every guy. But, uh, uh, w- one thing I don't know if you can replace one thing. I don't know if you can put into something that you do is passion. You know, it's like when you see stuff that, uh, like you, you look at some of the cars that people build and you see the, the innovation and the uniqueness they put into it. And it's because of, they're so passionate about it. And then you turn around, you look at the guy that buys a car, slaps it together to flip it and makes some money. Like all these guys that are, there's a guy here in this town that buys buses and converts them all into 21 windows and then runs them all through Barrett Jackson. And his whole game is just to flip them. Um, and you can see it in the quality workmanship is done in the cars. I mean, they're, they're just done to like to blast it through and get it done and get it sold and try to maximize the profit. And so, um, you know, I think when you do something, talking about this podcast specifically, you know, you know, my attitude with this podcast is I do it cause I love to do it. I do it because I didn't hear, I searched for VW podcasts that were, that had good content that had things I wanted to listen to and I didn't find any. So I decided I would start my own. So, uh, that's the reason I did it. And then I figured with the people that I know and the resources that I have and how long I've been in the scene, um, I figured I'd be able to at least come up with some good content. And so far, I've been able to come up with some decent content. So, yeah, good uh, good for MP to do their podcast. I mean, just a, it's another means for them to communicate with their audience. Um, it's good for me because a lot of you know, people don't listen to podcasts. So when they start saying, hey, let's talk Dove's podcast, MP podcast, what's this podcast thing? Let's get listening to podcasts. More people start listening to some podcasts. So, yeah, um, I, I listen to probably 12 different podcasts you know yeah well, i subscribe uh, to them and they come in and and as they're released i listen to them so to have one more is not is not gonna be a bummer to me no and that's the thing it's like the more content that you can get that you like it's even better because i listen to probably five podcasts and out of those five podcasts you know i listen to some quite religiously and then other ones others it's just kind of like i look at what they're talking about and i'm like yeah skip it you know because it's not something that you feel that maybe you have a connection with or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like you just like, even with the Rogan stuff, I like Rogan's podcast. It just depends on who his guest is. And, and with that, it's like, there's, so, so that's kind of the thing. Like they're so long. Like I have to have some sort of interest to want to listen to it of who the person is on it. So it depends on who the person is. If I'll even jump into listening to it, you know what I mean? So See, now, I'm a little more daring with the podcast. I listen to, I listen to, Anything, uh, I've listened to all of Rogan's, um, even if it's people I don't know, because sometimes you find out really interesting things that you didn't know. No, but Sometimes you get bored to tears, and other times you actually get educated on something. So I, I, I understand what you're saying about that. Well, but, this is, but my thought is like, so the point I was making with that is description of who you're interviewing or the content that you're going to have in that podcast is pretty important because sometimes people look at what the podcast is about, and you've got to get people engaged enough to want to buy into hit play or download it or whatever the case is, so... Um, well, if that were the case, I wouldn't listen to any of your podcasts. Any of who? Yours. What do you mean? I mean, some of the people I don't even know who they are. But, but you listen and no, you go, oh, that's, but you, that's you, really you, interesting. Uh, so, I, th- you know, I, think you're, I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I'm saying there's, it, it's important what you put on the description because if, I can, if you can put the description properly, 
you like you listen because yeah you you listen because a you're my brother. I mean, it's less than you're my brother, but you know oh, me and like I'm worse than his brother. I'm his worst <laughs> critic. I send this guy text messages constantly. I'm I'm sure he hates me by now. No, so, but what I'm saying is like you listen because you and I, although we're in the same scene, we have different styles. We have mm-hmm. different we have different things that we we look into and that we're and that we're 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 into. And so like when you were saying stuff about people that when you're hearing me talking the podcast and I'm making connections of this guy to that guy to this mm-hmm. guy to that guy and all these things that you never paid attention to because it's not something that you've ever really looked at in the scene, but then when it's shown to you, you're like, oh, that's pretty interesting how yeah. this begat that and then this begat that and all these things were kind of the the genesis of the next thing to come. Yeah. So it's uh, it it's good because there's some relatable material in the beginning, but then when we start getting some of this obscure stuff, it's cool because it all ties together and then you start to see the story come together from another part, which is maybe one of my favorite things about doing the podcast is, uh, especially when you, you know, it's so funny because, um, my opening question to people, you know, I I try to prep people for the podcast and I don't like, by no means am I saying I prep the guests and say, I just say, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to get you on the podcast. The first question that I'm going to ask you is about your VW story. And then we're going to go from there. And, And usually it always starts that way. And the reason that I start the podcast that way is because Although we think it's the same story, the uniqueness in our stories are what make it interesting. And as you watch the story unfold, that's when it kind of like, oh, that's neat. And that, like, and for so many people, it seems There's to similarities in almost everybody's story. Yeah, the, a, a lot of similarities, but they all. Yeah, have there's different, different twists and turns, and that's what makes the story interesting. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of crossover here and there, and there's like maybe it's a social social economic thing that starts out that's the similarity, but it's like, where were you when you got? like first captured by like you saw that bug and you're like, dang, that thing is too cool. I got to get me one of those. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one of the things that I, that I really enjoy about how one simple question of what's your VW story, which by the way is coming out on a let's talk dub shirt in about two weeks. So about two weeks when you see me at the v- at the Utah classic, I'll have some shirts for sale. The new, what's your VW story shirts are coming out. And then I've got a couple different, uh, I'm going to have four other shirts coming out. Just some cool stuff that you guys will be able to support your favorite podcast with by buying some of these shirts. So, um, yeah, I got to give a shout out to my guy, um, Carl up there. And uh, I think he's in Wyoming. I'm sorry, Michigan. He's in Michigan. My dog, Carl, hit me up with some shirt designs. And uh, it's a guy that's he's a listener and he's a fan. And uh, I want to pull his name up here real quick, George. Carl Bland is his name. And uh, he hit me up. Hey, Carl, work on some wagon shirts, bro. Come on. <laughs> yeah, Carl. So Carl hit Carl hit me up, and he works for a t-shirt manufacturer up in uh, up in Bay City, Michigan, right? So he hits me up. He's like, "Hey, man, fan of the podcast. I dig it. I listen to it at work. I like what you got going on." Gives me some compliments and uh, says, "Hey, by the way, I took a look at some of your shirts." Pitches me on his business and says. I do, you know, silk screening and whatever. And so sends me some stuff and he, the dude's got some really good ideas and uh, I'm going to get uh, four of these shirt styles that he's come up with with his art department. And uh, it's pretty cool. So I, and, that, and that's really what I dig about. Like I'll tell you from a business standpoint, I like the way he came about doing it. You yeah. know what I mean? Show him what you can do right away. Yeah. You know, I, so it's been, uh, it's been, it's been good. The feedback I've been getting, the, the feedback has been, uh, quite, quite varied for, um, the different fans. Let me see here. 
What else we got? So some other people. Um, uh, George, this one's for you, man. It's from, uh, let's see. He says, being the VW uh, was wondering what the best colors to paint on early bugs are from Dean Lands. <laughs> your boy, Dean. What do, you, what do you got for Dean over there? Me and myself, I always try to stick with factory colors. Um, I just like, I, I, I've always been a fan of, if you keep it classic, it will always be in style. So I'm a fan of any of the original colors. Find an original color that you enjoy and paint it that color. So here's one from, uh, let's see here. What is his name? So all I got is his email here. It says uh, EW, uh, EWO8 from E is his name. He says, I've heard you mention on the podcast you're a Buick guy also because you own a Riviera. I'm sure you've seen this, but just want to know your thoughts on heavy customization mods, examples like the Berlin, the Berlin Buick on YouTube and other swaps. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming the Berlin Buick may be, that may be the bug with the nail head in it. And so, yep, that's it. <laughs> so the Berlin Buick is a VW bug and it's got a Buick nail head. A on the 56 back. chop top with a nail head in it. So I, okay. So now my opinion on something like this, I'm a Buick guy. Um, it's interesting to me about like some of the mixed platform stuff, like, um, <coughs> excuse me, like, uh, stuff like the, the Berlin Buick is super cool. I dig like his style and what he did. Um, I don't know if it's something I would do. I mean, I mean, like I just look at the reality of like, God driving that the motor's yeah, like in a, there with like you. a motor. How, the alternator has a, uh, Directly behind a you. fan on it. It's right by your right shoulder as you'd be driving this sucker. Oh. Yeah. It's, You're uh, not driving that thing far. We'll see. I it's mean, it's got it, a nail head, so it moves. Of course it's yeah, going to move. Yeah. It's got I a mean, nail head yeah. in it. I'd hope the, it moves. If it I, didn't, I'd be disappointed. <laughs> what I think is cool, I mean, listen, it's a, su- a lot of work. It's a super cool look, but, um, you know, everybody's got their, everybody's got their style and everything. I, listen, I I think the dude's put there a ton of work. Craftsmanship. Holy smokes! The back bumper, the portholes, yeah. the the trim. I mean, he's got some work into that thing. That that's respectable. Is it my style? No. no. Yeah, it's. I, I've never been. Um, it's awesome. Like the, the guy did a cool job yeah, on guy, it. Just the, not my gig. It's the guy did phenomenal work, and and I don't want to say the sad part, but like the, that's what I say. The sad part is that like a lot of people can appreciate like this, this, this car is like top notch. I mean, I'm looking at the detail in the video, heavily modified, like the gentleman's question. And the guy, and the guy's got so much time and effort. And I got to get a woman to ride in that car with him in this video. That's bold. That's (laughs) bold. I don't know if I, I don't know if I can trick my woman. I'm going to, I'm going to just say she did not look. I don't know if I could trick my woman to get in the car with a fan belt spinning (laughs) behind her hair. No, she's happy. She's smiling over there. Okay, she does. Look but no, happy. you know, right. the dude did a phenomenal job, and maybe, uh, maybe I'll get him on the podcast. You know, th- that's the thing about the VW scene. The VW scene is like, <clears throat> as much as owned and designed by Rob Freeman. So right now, Rob Freeman. I'll see if I track him down for the podcast. But you know, the thing with the VW, uh, with the VW scene is he's not. The, I mean, there's other ones that if you remember a couple years ago at SEMA, they had that Gia with a Viper V10 in it. 
Oh yeah. I mean, that thing was awesome. Yeah. That, that thing's super cool. That thing's, uh, another one that's just a ton of work, not my style, but a ton of work. Yeah. It's uh there's, there's one called, uh, I'll look it up here real quick. The Viper V10 and the, the one guy's got a video for it right there. Yeah. Blue this, Mamba. Guy, this, this guy, Scotty D. T. Well, I tell you what, at, at least blue Mamba nailed the look of it Listen. though. It's a, Freaking beautiful Gia, dude. There's it, a guy. I'm jealous of this guy, Scotty DTV, because this guy takes like some pretty horrible video. Not going to lie. Um, but he's got a gang of subscribers. 100, well, 172,000 subscribers. And uh, his videos are like, he just walks around with a camera in his hand and it's a little bit. It's awkward. for it's No, it's just like you watch the video. But if you look it up, I think it's, he did an Emory uh, video. I think they're awkward. It's Gia, Gia Viper V10. It's like he shows up at a car show and just kind of rolls up on people with the camera rolling. And uh, he just does these pan shots and stuff. But like this Gia, that thing, these these cars that have... That is an extreme modification. Like right I think there. if I had to pick between this and the Buick one, I'm I would take that. I take this because the engine's not in the car. Yeah. Because I also have a Corvair. People have heard that I have a Corvair. And a lot of people take the Corvair and do an engine in the back seat and do a mid-engine with the... Uh, with the tranny from uh, <clears throat> from the um, the Buick or not the Buick, they just put a um, the front wheel drive tranny in there and kind of mid engine the thing. And I'm just not into having a motor right behind you. Yeah, you know what I mean. It doesn't sound enjoyable. So that for me, like this car has got the motor up front. I wonder how fast that thing is. That blue Mamba, a V10 and a and a Gia. Like you put a good two liter in a Gia and that thing's ripping. Yeah, maybe I'll do a series of podcasts where I track down all the heavy custom people because you know that the, it's a different they're they're not like, always like vw if people. you look at the gear right this blue on the gear do you see how you open up the wheel arcs oh, for yeah. the cars they're giant yeah. and it but it looks good like it fits the car yeah. and so it's uh it, it it's a cool it's a cool deal and uh i got a guy working for me that really wants to do a heavily modified car he wants to do all these trick street rider stuff that he that he's done in the past the street rods he wants to start bringing them to the vw world and unfortunately, he's not working for the right guy right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Well, we are doing a 21 window that's pretty heavily modified. It's all, both tubs in the front are completely handmade. The walkthrough set, setup's handmade, all that stuff. So let me finish E's question here. So E's question, I want to know how I thought about, the, about that um, the Berlin Buick. Um, it's pretty cool. It, listen, I respect the work that the dude's yeah. done. There's no question. It's a, it's a top quality build. Um, I have a thing with like cars that I, I, I want to be able to drive. And that one, he definitely was cruising around, but I don't know if it's a long hauler because that, I don't care where you, you ain't driving that in Vegas. And I'm just mm-hmm. used to like, I, maybe it's just because in the world where I'm in, I'm used to thinking like, I got to look at stuff and be like, yeah, that's going to be burning hot in the summertime or whatever. But uh, we're a part of our environment. Yeah. So the, the end of his thing says, we know bugs and buses, et cetera, have been used as versatile cars for interesting creativity, whether a purist or custom enthusiast, good percentage of hobbyists are partial to what's in their craw. But regardless, done cleanly, I have appreciation for all creative restoration of these cars. And I think I agree with E over I'll here. I agree with E on that 100%. It, 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 it's <clears throat> the craftsmanship, the ideas, everything all is, all is one. I've seen some heavily modified ones that I'm like, Ugh, I don't care for that. But you still respect the work. You still respect the effort that went into it. Yeah, because I, I think I'd rather take I'd rather take like a customized car like that with a different engine transplant than something that's um, like a, like a faux Tina car or yeah. something like that. You know, something that's just like 
that's like a quick, I can do this to make it look cool or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just kind of my two cents on it. So, um, let's see. Somebody wanted to know, somebody was asking me about, they were asking me what's up with the white, with my white split window. Um, I still don't have it back here. 13 year project? (laughs) It's been going for a long time. The crazy part is the car is painted. There was a couple of different things that Buddy was supposed to do to it. I know he's been super slammed working on all kinds of other stuff. And so I'm trying to be patient, waiting for my car. I'm I'm excited when I get it back because the drive train the drivetrain is done. So I can tell you guys a little bit about that project. Um and let me find out who was asking specifically about it. Um they were asking about uh they were asking about what's going on with that car and let me see if i can find that i got too too many emails people um maybe that's a message on facebook and people have hurt me over like too many platforms sometimes too many platforms but the point is on the so here's the layout for the split the split's already got the drivetrain done i've got a uh crc suspension on it right cool rides customs i have one of the first ones i mean i bought the suspension 11 years ago. So I've got a set of Iosio forged alloys on it. Um, the 17s and, um, the fenders have been slightly widened in the back. Um, it's got a Berg five speed in it. The only way to fly. And I've got a 2650 type four with 48s on it. So it's going to be a monster for sure. in, in my style with that when I started out 11 years ago to build that car, there weren't very many cars built to the style where I was building it, which was kind of an outlaw split window. Since the car has been in the paint shop, there have been several outlaw style VWs that have come out. I believe that mine, even when it comes out, will still be enough of a different car that everyone will remember it from, you know, when it gets debuted. So uh, my main thing with the split and the reason why I did the, <clears throat> the reason why I did the, the uh, CRC suspension on there, I wanted to actually take it to the, some of the Porsche track days here in town. And I wanted to run it on the track over there at Spring Mountain Motorsports Ranch. So that's kind of my inspiration for actually having the split. Cause I thought when I was out there driving my, my old Porsche that I had, <clears throat> I thought there'd be nothing, nothing cooler than just being out there railing in the split window, you know, especially with a Berg five speed and, you know, taking that thing through the corners. That was a big motivator to do the arm suspension underneath it for handling purposes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I thought, I thought if I could get that thing to just go out there and handle like crazy, that would just be just modernize it. Yeah, to where it can corner and all that good stuff. That yeah, there was the, the, there was some other things that I wanted to do to it that didn't get done. Like I wanted to do uh, cantilevered shocks, uh, the flush fit glass that the baby blue split did. I wanted to do flush fit glass eleven years ago. Um, ended up not doing the flush fit glass. Um, the I wanted to take, because I have the Mendiola suspension, I wanted to do a push rod cantilever style rear suspension that sat in the rear package tray. So when you look in the rear package tray, you saw cantilevered arms, the coilovers on them. That came in with rods that were connected to the rear trailing arms that, that just worked the suspension. Kind of something that I saw, not kind of, but something that I saw that Ring Brothers did in the back of a Camaro. It may have been, not Camaro, but a Mustang that was called Dragon, if I'm not mistaken. There's a Mustang called Dragon, and uh, it had cantilevered rear suspension. I just thought that was so cool. But uh, 
but you know, you start off with some of the inspiration on some of these things and, uh, you know, you get, you get what you get. Sometimes there's time. So me, I'm mostly looking forward to getting it back. Um, I am going to, uh, I'm going to be doing when I get it back, we'll just basically have to do the interior and do the, uh, wiring on it. And I'm going to be using a system and I'll, and I'll get the guy that, that, that came up with the system. I'm going to be using uh, electrical setup called, what is the name of the setup I'm using? It's um, Ride Control. So Ride Control that I'm going to use on it. Um, some people are going to be a little upset when they hear this, but I shave the dash on the split. There's no knobs. There's no anything. There'll be one push button to start it, and there may, may not even be that because Ride Control is a uh, Wi-Fi controlled remote relay control box so under the da under the dash of the car will be a bank of relays that are connected to wireless controls that are touch touch screen on the dash on the ipad or whatever that'll have in the car for control and uh, i'll be able to control all the car electronics from there i just like doing something cool like that with the electronics just so it can uh, be kind of as as a little more cutting edge as possible but i just I, I just always have liked that stuff so some people might not be into and it and before people get their panties in a bunch about shaving and split dash that car was pretty much roached in most people's yeah, eyes it wasn't like it was a pristine split but here's how and I it's see also it. your car here's so. how i see it. yeah it doesn't, even, doesn't even matter it's my split and as soon as they start paying the bills on it they <laughs> yeah. can they can start having a say in how it gets built and as soon and if they don't like it they built a hundred thousand they can go buy one and build it the way that they want it yeah. so um, that's, that's kind of my feelings on the car, man. Like don't bust on nobody's car. If you get a problem, build something nicer. Um, so George, what about your, uh, Oh, somebody wanted it up. They wanted an update on the bull run bus. What's the update on the bull run bus? Unfortunately, just primed now at this point. One, one thing I'm lacking is manpower at my shop. It's pretty much me, bro. I'm right me. here. I can go, <laughs> I can go sand on it, dude. I can say apologies to my customers that are waiting for their cars. It is, uh, it has been slow going. It's hot. Yeah. It's hot in the shop. Well, I got a body guy that apparently uh, sands it with his feet. I don't know what's taking him so long, but <laughs> yeah, it's a different one. My finished body guy. He does amazing work, so to me, he's worth the wait, but sometimes it can be a little arduous waiting for him. Yeah, it's... Uh, you ever, you waiting on a body guy, too? Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I think I got you beat, bro. I, I got Joseph's right-hand drive over there that I've been waiting to get out of the shop for far too long, and hopefully that one comes out. We got th I do have some cool cars coming up, but they are just they're just slow going right now, unfortunately. So one of the things and summertime doesn't help me either. Can't really paint; yeah. it's too hot. Um, yeah, yeah, George, George, uh, George rents a building for me that I got downtown. It's a super cool building. I mean, it looks uh, it, it looks, looks the part for sure. It looks the part, but really, at the end of the day, it's it's a, if you took half a tin can, you cut it, and you laid it on the ground, that's what it looks like. It's a it's an old army barrack uh, that was built in 1952. It's what you call a Quonset hut, and it's straight steel. So if you think you're man enough to handle the summers in Vegas, why don't you just come on down and. Uh, See if you can handle working in Georgia's shop for a little bit because it's as hot as a sauna up in that monkey. Mm. So if we got any connections out Actually there. Actually getting the sauna to cool off for a minute. <laughs> yeah, getting the, exactly right. So, yeah, it's uh, it's hot out there, but, uh, you know, 
George's got a lot of projects going on. And if you're out, if you're out there in podcast land and you're looking to come work in Vegas and you're a hard worker and you're not a whiner and you want to learn and you're into, uh, getting paid, uh, not a ton of money, uh, look up George, man. You're going to be hot, broke, hot. tired. You give me a call. I'll take care of you. That's right. But you want to be known for being part of building some cool cars, man. You can be part of that. So yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, sometimes, uh, people want, money before they produce the work and here's the reality like george if you had if you had a dude there that could hustle like you hustled he could make some pretty good money oh yeah you know if he didn't have to be watched every five minutes and he knew how to you know do everything that you do i do have two guys i'm not trying to take anything away from them virgil kills it and bill is great at his job bill's a little slow on his job but he also uh, i i i'm in line with other people so for my body work to get done properly, I'm in line. I'll, well, yeah. I'll gladly wait for it. For the product I receive from him, I'll gladly wait. Yeah, but the... And my guy Virgil that does metal, he is lightning fast. It's just he's got two giant tasks in front of him, so... Well, yeah, and we're... And, and that's... And, and what, we're, what we're talking about is we're not talking about any of that kind of work. It's talking about all the uh, all the assembly, the yeah. sorting, the prepping, the all the stuff that takes time that sometimes people don't realize when you're building a car. Like, it takes time to, to, to assemble a set of, of door windows... You know, that's an all-day job to set up, to assemble two yeah, doors. Do set of doors properly and nice to where they roll up and down well, not hard to roll up, and you hear the regular binding and all that stuff. To do everything right, I'll have a day into assembling a set of doors on a bug. Also, depending upon the year, the earlier ones are easier than the later, in my opinion. No, I uh, I hear you. And, you know, the projects that you end up having are, like, big. They're They're all big long-term projects, and they're not things that you can – that you can bust out super easy, you know? Yeah. yeah, I'll take... I'm blessed to have understanding customers. I, that's one thing. Uh, I used to have more employees, and I've lost them along the way, and employees are very hard to replace in our industry. That's for sure. But luckily, I have customers who understand. I try to stay in communication with them, pro- give them progress updates as they take place, and, uh, yeah, hopefully all works out. So, and then the other, uh, on the carbon cab right now, I've had the motor out for a little bit and I've been waiting, uh, to get the motor back from the shop to put the motor back in there because my plan was to take that car up for the Utah VW classic weekend and try to get a run in at Bonneville. And is there even any possibility getting your motor back <coughs> before the trip? If I do, it'd be nice if you could drive that double yeah, cab with us. If it's, if, if I do, it's gotta be, well. That's, I don't know. Smart is he rebuilding it right now or no? He's no, just no, like we're, resealing we're, we're it. Just, we're just going through it and finding out what the deal was, you know, because okay. we had we had a little bit of an issue last it's like time. Like I say, we don't want to put a brand new engine out on a road trip. Why Only not? Manny Montoya from Old Speed does that, bro. Why not, dude? That's what, that, what, what do you think those motors are? Shout that out hit to the, Manny. What do you think the, those motors are that hit the Baja One Thousand every time? They're brand new motors. Oh, yeah. They fire them up and they go a thousand miles wide open. So, I think I should be able to make it. But yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love Speaking to make. Speaking of progress in the bull run bus. Did you get paint? Don't you worry about what oh, I yeah. got. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't get paint, but I drove got by, that homework assignment two weeks ago. I way. drove by the paint shop. I get paint. I threw him a thumbs up out the window. You were supposed to. Te- we should be halfway. You were supposed. You were supposed to text me the quantities of what I needed. I think I needed two quarts, two quarts of black and a and quarter red. Quarter red, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we'd already discussed that. So you, well, said, I didn't even have to tell you. You knew what you had to get. So I'll swing by the paint shop tomorrow, grab that stuff, so we can get that done. So uh, the challenge now is, what car will I have for the Utah VW Classic? And I got myself in that challenge right now too. Yeah. So you got you've got uh, you got your bus kind of back together, but not really. 
I got it all. <clears throat> excuse me. I got it all back together, and I'm having a problem with one axle right now. And I, I actually haven't dug into it. I took so much time off working on my own. But that's a lot of a lot of things that people don't understand. They're like, "Oh, you got time to fix it." Every time I'm working on my own car, I'm not getting paid to work on my car, and I really don't have time to work on my own car. So that being said, to just jump right back into it and rip into it again is not as easy as as, as it sounds. But I have an axle that's potentially giving me a problem on mine right now. Hopefully, we get I get it knocked out. I'm praying for it to be a rotor, not the axle. Yeah. Well. Um, so that would be the only reason you wouldn't see my bus of the Utah Classic, is if this thing doesn't. Because it runs great. It drives great. Everything right now, I just I, I can feel a shake in the car, and I got pedal pulse in my brakes. And when I checked it with a dial indicator, I got one rotor that's running 25,000 miles. Well, that's not good. It's not good at all. So you get that. It's gonna fixed. roach my new, brand new, fag sealed bearings that I just put in my axle caps. Bro? You say? It's the brand. Well, okay, bro. You better check it, dude. So we don't want to get won't get protested on They're this podcast. They're not cheap. They're like forty five dollars each bearing, or maybe even more than that, sixty bucks possible. I don't know. One of the things I uh, w- one of the things that I did want to talk about was uh, so Bully Brigade's coming up. And that's the one in uh, it's November fourteenth through seventeenth. You got to be kidding me, bro. So that's the weekend. That's the weekend. I actually have something. There's bu- something in November. In, that's it. That's, that's, that's in bully, It's Bully Brigade, and there's, it's oh, I do that. it's the same day as, uh, let's see, same day Bully Brigade is same day as the other event that takes place. There's another another event that takes place that same weekend. But not, nothing I was planning on going to. <clears throat> yeah, the Bully Brigade is the one we're talking about. So the people in line so far hoping to go would be me, Chris Vuk. And Russell at Old Speed and Manny at Old Speed. And I think they have another gentleman on there and that wants to join in on that as well. That'd be super cool. Because November would be a really good time of year to do it. You're not going to hit those high temps in the deserts. The only bummer about that is you might hit some foul weather going across. But I don't think so because you'd be staying across Texas and going through the south. So I don't think you'd hit like snow weather anywhere. Yeah. Might be chilly, but not. And it's not going to be like we can't drive our cars. Yeah, that's November 14th through 17th, so we'll see about uh, checking out that Bully Brigade and see if we can make that happen. That would be legit. I'd love to check I'd, I'd love to check out some East Coast shows. I mean, anybody anybody can hop a plane and go to a show, but I'd, I'd love to just go down there with you. I think you're really Oh, that's going to be – if we actually do that, that is going to be an ultra-cool show. Yeah, because my to other issue – that deep, that far, that's awesome. Yeah, fourteenth through seventeenth, and then I got the I got my I got my show, the Las Vegas Auto Swap meet on the thirtieth of November. It's a lot of traveling in November, but that's not uh, it's not it's not completely out of the question. But uh, <coughs> I have to see what's uh, what's the status on the stuff. So I don't know. Well, George, we answered some listener questions. We had some more that uh, we may get to on another podcast. And uh, we've been kind of at this for a little bit. So um, keep up with everybody on what we're doing. Uh, we're going to be going to uh, the Utah VW Classic. So feel free to go to uh, Utah VW Classic. That's going to be on uh, September That's September 14th. 13th and 14th is going to be the, it's the weekend, 13th and 14th. So the 14th is the show. 13th is the like the Friday night event at Southtown VW in Salt Lake City or We'll be leaving Vegas early morning on the 13th, Friday the 13th, and rolling out there. Yeah, so if any of you guys want to roll out with us, uh, feel free to give a call uh, or shoot us a message, and then uh, 
Let's see if we can't. Uh, if you guys want to caravan with us, I'm sure. There's Last a good... time we do it with five buses, and as it go, as it stands right now, it'll be me and my bus, Eric Black and his, and Jason Dunkel and his single cab. And if you get the carbon cab on the road, well, I need a bus going. So I got to find out this week if the carbon cabs will be on the road. Because if the carbon cab is on the road, I'll see you guys there. You guys will catch up like two hours later because the carbon cab. How about we pull the motor of the bull run bus and put it in the carbon cab, and you can drive oh, the carbon cab. The motor in a bull run bus is not powerful enough to push the carbon cab. Tranny's way too tall. Oh, it would do it. I mean, it would do it, but it wouldn't be. I mean, it wouldn't I'm be curious to see how mine does because I really up my gears. So see how it does on them seven mile grades. <laughs> well, but you guys will see us at the VW Classics. Feel free to stop by, check out the Let's Talk Dub booth at the VW Classic. Other than that, you guys are a bug around this weekend, man. Have a good time. Say what's up to my homies from DBK NorCal, uh, all my friends out there in uh, Sacramento. You guys know who you are. Those of you that I've kicked it with, that I've cruised with, that I've gone out there and hung out in shows with for the past 15 years or so. It's been longer than that, I think. But uh, Sack's a good show. Hopefully they'll have one more uh, season of drag racing that they'll have out there. Hopefully they won't close that track and they'll have some more out there. But uh, what up to everybody up there in the, in the Sacramento area. And hopefully I'll see you guys at one of the next events coming up. Until then, I'm Bill T. And I'm George T. And we're out of here. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around.